welcome to B.O. Boys for Wednesday, December 30th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And we've got a gigantic episode. <clears throat> Fuck it, doing it live. I got something in my throat, but... You can't you can't have these things in your throat because we just have too much stuff to get through. <laughs> and yeah, every every clearing of a throat is just less content that we could get to in an already packed episode. So you got to get the throat under control. <clears throat> okay. That's okay. the last one. That's Here the we last go. one. It's a, I promise. This is a year's worth of content in one episode. It's absurd. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over the Christmas box office. Mm-hmm. So Christmas fell over a weekend. Yes. The Friday to Sunday. So December 25th to 27th, we're going to go over that. Then we're going to go over the top 10 domestic earners of the year. Wow. One of the craziest years. You guys were with us the whole way. You know it was a roller coaster. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to do our winners and losers for 2020. I would say it's our winners and losers. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It'll make sense later on when you hear some of the, one of the winners. It makes sense now. It'll make more sense. There we go. So number one at the Christmas box office. Wonder Woman 1984. Okay. Three day. Yep. $16.7 million. Now, just to give some context, the largest opening in the pandemic era Mm -hmm. that we've had, which would be since March, was Crudes, the Crudes, A New Age, $9.7 million. Yep. So this is because, as we know, Tenant only opened up to about nine point three million. 9. Even though they announced twenty, it was a, an absurd number that we broke apart only a day later. We were the first, yes. And so, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four again also streamed on HBO Max. Yep. At the same time, day, day and day. date. This is, I think, a really good number. This is great. I mean. We're going to talk later about Warner Brothers in maybe not as positive a light, you know, little little tip of the hat there. This, though, is a huge, huge win for Wonder Woman and I think only goes to prove what I had already been saying that you save this for the movie theaters because $16.7 million. And again, this is one of the lowest points for the theaters in the pandemic era other than the first month or two. Like, theaters have consistently been closing since the middle or end of September. Like, throughout the fall, you've only got less theaters. So, you know, when Tenet came out was probably the high watermark for how many theaters and screens were available in the pandemic. So for Wonder Woman to make almost $17 now is such a testament to how big and popular the Wonder Woman brand is. And I think this also proves that this movie should have come out instead of Tenet. Yes. This is the movie yes. that you usher people back to the theater with to say, we're safe. Come have fun. Yep. They, they made a mistake. Warner Brothers screwed up. So this is sort of a uh, poison punch. Yes. For them. I mean, it tastes sweet, but, you know. You're going to, you're going to, it's going to make you feel sick. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's a light poison. It's not a deadly poison. No, just, no. Yeah. But it, it's a poison that you're not going out the next day. No. So you're on the toity. It it really yeah. It makes that clear. If Wonder Woman had come out in September, 
it probably would have opened then because if it opens to 17 almost 17 million now with with so many more screens in September this is a movie that could have opened to over 30 for a 3 day weekend well it, and if you're doing if 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 Warner Brothers wanted to do their kind of janky um accounting oh they would have said it opened at over 50 or 60 because they it would have been the 11 day yes if it had the same rollout we're looking at a 40 plus opening for a film and then people who don't listen to this podcast which what are you doing if you're not listening to the podcast huh they would think wow things are back to normal yes 40 is a number that i recognize because that's a that's a huge weekend for a movie yep i'm gonna go to the theaters they're safe yep let's go have fun yep it it would because also think so the things that are that worked against wonder woman to open as high as it did are there are so many less screens now than there were open in early september the pandemic itself is spreading so much more now than it was in early september and people are more scared now i think coming off of the summer we maybe incorrectly felt like, oh, things are back to normal. It's fine. So people had that feeling when Tenet came out. Also, Wonder Woman was available at home for just an HBO subscription right now. So if they had opened Wonder Woman without that in September, this actually may have legitimately done a 40 million three day. That it, it might have. There's because a possibility. Think of how many people would have went to the theater to see it this weekend had not they could have gotten it for free on HBO. True. I mean, that... that we're, You're we're talking probably like looking... 10 million people. I mean, a, a, at least a couple of million who would have paid $10 a piece. So that's another 20 or 30 million that Wonder Woman could have had at the box office now, this weekend. Yeah, so it it is a bittersweet success. But the thing with Warner Brothers is... This is a blip in a coming year that is going to be very, very, I think, rough for them, publicity-wise, lawsuit-wise. Right. They're going to be swimming in lawyers. The lawyers are just going to be—it's going to be a tsunami of lawyers coming at them. Yeah, there will be more lawyers than actors who are on the Warner Brothers lot this year. Absolutely. Um, And I think a problem for this Wonder Woman might be—I mean, this this is a huge hit. To open this high is is outstanding. The word of mouth on this movie has not been good. And I think the, the ability of people to watch it at home for free, to screen cap it and to snark on it, is going to be a problem for this movie going forward that you wouldn't have if people went to see it in a theater only, if they could not screenshot it, you know, because I think that's going to be a huge problem right now as people are... They're getting quality screen screenshots. This yeah. isn't I'm taking a photo of a movie theater screen. Right, this is right. this is my high def right. 1080p. P. Yeah. Because those screen then, caps. Because then those screen caps and those memes get taken seriously by people as critiques. Because whereas, of the resolution. Yeah. Whereas if you were to go into a movie theater, take a picture at your phone, you're getting the back of someone's head, the resolution looks bad. And you try and snark on Twitter with that, people are going to laugh you off. They're not going to take your critique seriously. But now you got all these at-home screen cappers who are memeing bad reviews and jokes about Wonder Woman, and I think that might hurt the box office next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, 
Yeah, it's a it's a poison pill. It's a double edged sword. It's a catch twenty two situation. Not the streaming series uh, by George Clooney. That no is it a watched. monkey's paw? It is. Well, God. Okay, they wish for a big opening, but then then there's a nuclear war the following weekend. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I. So do we think this is gonna sort of hold up? Going forward, sixteen point seven is is the biggest number we've seen in eight months. Well, even if it drops sixty percent, it's still it's still gonna do Buffa Bobo. Yeah. That's still almost as big as Tenet opened. Well, the the other thing that we could look at next episode is this is usually one of the big. This is usually the biggest week of the year for box office because basically from Christmas through New Year's, every day is a Saturday. So it did a big three-day weekend. It's probably doing relatively big numbers every day this week. So, you know, Wonder Woman might have like 50 million in the bank by the end of next. Well, no, it won't have that much, but it'll have like probably over 30 by next Monday. That's possible. That's domestic. I think that's I think that's likely. I mean, yeah, this is it's a big hit. It's a big win for Gal Gadot and uh Patty Jenkins because this opened as big as it possibly could have given the circumstances. And I think it is I think in the end it's a loss for Warner Brothers because it really shows they either should have opened it in September instead of Tenant or they should have held it till next summer. Well, <clears throat> like wow. post Well, that's one that's <clears throat> one less great thought that <clears throat> we're able to give out this episode, so um, Thank you, Clayton's throat. Yeah, so loser of 2020. Mm-hmm. So I do think that uh, I lost it because you lost of my it because it went down your throat. It went down my throat. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, Warner Brothers. It's a win. It's a win, but it's a loss because this could have been a much bigger win if they opened it some other time in the year. I remember or what I was going to say. One of the one of my pet peeves when it comes to box office is leaving money on the table. Yes. Famously, yes. Toy Story 4 left money on the table domestically. I will never watch that movie because of it. Because it didn't open on Father's Day weekend that like, year. It opened a weekend before. So like, it could be day and date with China. That's one of Clayton's lifetime pet peeves. Yeah. And I think Warner Brothers left money on the table with this movie. And that is a cardinal sin for me. Yes. So I did watch this movie Mm -hmm. um, because we watched it all together. Yeah. And that was fun. I mean, a bunch of our friends, we texted each other watching this movie. It's a fun experience. Right. But I do think the experience would have been more fun in the theater. Oh, of course. If all of our friends just had one row of IMAXs in the IMAX theater, just one row of us. Just sitting there watching this movie, like we did with Aquaman. Yep, that's the way to watch this movie. Yeah, and that's what's sad about this pandemic, and and everything. I mean, there's more things sad about the pandemic. But we're only talking about box office. But talking box office wise, that is one of the saddest things. Yeah, and and it was right there. And I know I'm more optimistic overall than Clayton about where things might go worldwide. But I do feel like if they had held us to June, it would have been. Uh, many people post-vax, it would have been a much different box office world. Wonder Woman opening in June 2021 could have been a celebratory big, big hit. The way I think, you know, uh, F9 F9 is going to be on Memorial Day weekend. So winner but a loser as far as Wonder Woman 1984 opening number one. But I think for Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot, this is a 
Huge, huge win. Especially for Patty Jenkins because I think she was put in a situation that was not good. What could she do? She had to play ball. Right. I think they made a point to, after this film came out, came out this weekend, put out an article or put out a press release that said, Wonder Woman 3 is a go. Right. Patty Jenkins is at the helm. And it is going to theaters. Yeah. Point blank, this is a movie that is going to go to theaters. It has to. And I think that's what Patty Jenkins wants. She wants to be a movie maker who gets her big movies in theaters. Yeah. And is that too much to ask? She waited so long. She was in the wilderness for so long between Monster and this, uh, Wonder Woman 1, and to have that huge Bafa Bobo and then have it taken away from her must be devastating. Yeah. So it it is a win for her because, in a way... We know that her her career is going to continue, and she's going to get a Wonder Woman three, and it's going to be in the box in the in the uh, in the theaters. So that's yeah, great. yeah. Number two, news of the world. Okay, Paul Greengrass, Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. a mute child, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think that's from from the theater uh, from the, uh, the trailers. That's what I see. I have not watched a trailer for this yet. I'm trying to go in cold when it comes to PVOD. Two point two million dollars. Okay. In 1900 theaters. Okay. This is a movie I, you were famously not on the podcast last week. And I was very busy elsewhere. You're very, well, we know, we all know where you were. So I called this as higher than this number. Mm-hmm. I thought that it would go 3.5. Mm-hmm. 3.5 to 4, actually, mm-hmm. because I thought the dads would come out. Right. I thought this would be a father and son reunion time. Yes. For certain people. I'm not saying that's a, a good thing, but I'm saying people are going to do it. Yep. Come to Christmas, see their dad, maybe for the first time in nine months. Maybe for the last time. Maybe for the last time. And they were going to go see News of the World because this is dadnip. Yes. This is what I coined as dadnip, mm-hmm. a movie mm-hmm. that is like catnip for dads. Yep. And the dads didn't come out. The dads didn't come out. I mean, I feel like of the last few years, the ultimate dad knit movie was Ford v. Ferrari. The dads really came out for that. And we we know the tragedy that followed that. Yeah. We did talk about how a lot of dads leaving that movie were probably going to get into their minivans and start racing around really fast. cruisers. Yeah. And there would be a lot of dads, you know, flying off the side of the road. So you got to factor in that those dads are no longer available to see News of the World. The 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 dads who went off-road following Ford v. Ferrari, they are not box office customers any longer. So that's one factor. Obviously, the pandemic is another factor. I mean, I think you're also probably have a situation where Wonder Woman 84 just sucked up all the, the oxygen in the room, and even the dads went to see that. Because, like, Tom Hanks is the ultimate dad nip. But... Superhero ladies in a superhero costume. That is sneaky dad nip. I was going to ask. That's a great question. And not to boil this down to, to you know, gender stereotypes and sex, huh? Huh? They're dads, though. They're dads. And they're dads. They've been locked away a long time. These dads have been locked in their dad caves, in their basements, not getting new new content that they need. And I think that when the dads were finally, you know, let out of the house this weekend, they love Tommy. They love Tom Hanks. He's their hero, but they wanted to see some Wonder Woman in action. They so dads were like Gail Godot. She's really something. She, yes, yes. 
She's yeah. So that's an interesting I that's an interesting thought. Do dads love Gail Godot? And I feel like she is the kind of star that dads would gravitate towards. Yes. She's got that that sort of old timey glamour to her. She's a she's a sturdy woman, you know, as a superhero. I think I think dads respond to a real sturdy woman. Mm-hmm. You know who who they they want to look at, but they also like you know she could come over and work in the backyard. And with here's me. the other thing, 1984. That's huge. That was the last time they felt young. Yes, yes, they probably. I mean, that's it. So I I think that's what happened with News of the World is the dads they wanted to see Wonder Woman, and they were hoping that Bon Jovi music would be featured heavily in this. And Hanks looks like them. Yes. And they wanted to see Chris Pine Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, Chris Pine. I used to look like Chris. They never look like Chris Pine. But Mm -hmm. back in 84, I looked just like this guy. Yep. I, you know what? I, I totally, you know, dads are deeper than I gave them credit for. Yeah. Yeah. You think dads only want war and Tom Hanks, but they also want a sturdy woman on screen. Classic beauty. Classic beauty. And they want to look at what they imagine themselves to have looked like in the past. Yep. And maybe Duran Duran if possible. Yeah. So I do think, though, again, this is a universal release. So the window, shortened window, 17 days. We're going to be able to see this movie by the 14th of January. Yep. And I think this is an easy 20 bucks for both of us. Oh, 100%. I think this movie is going to do really well on PBOD. Because by then the dads will be back in their dad caves. They'll be back in the basement. You know, they got let out for the weekend to go see Wonder Woman. By mid-January, they're locked up. They got the beer helmets on. Tom Hanks on the the basement TV set. That's a no-brainer. I I should look this up. Is that is that weekend that it drops? Is that like um, is is that an NFL? playoff weekend or is Probably. it in between yeah i think i think it still will be but okay. i mean you know the dads are going to need something to bridge the gap from one game to the next yeah so i think i think if anything it does better because the dads are like there's nfl and there's tom hanks on all weekend if you're looking for me don't yeah because i'll be in the basement great so i think that's going to be a huge dad's weekend when news of the world gets to PVOD. Yeah, so the winner of this weekend was Dads. The winner of the weekend was Dads. They had a plethora of choices. So number three, The Crudes, A New Age, mm-hmm. $1.7 million, $30 million cume. That is really good. Yeah. And again, what we said with this film, great release strategy, great rollout, ad spend. Yeah. PVOD window activated brilliantly. This movie came out to be rented before Soul, Wonder Woman 1984, dropped Mm -hmm. so that they could maximize the eyes. I mean, this movie is, I think, a template for releasing films at this moment. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And and we don't have the... Uh, PVOD numbers. We're not the Shremo boys, but we got to assume that they're doing Bafa Shremo right mm-hmm. now because I think yeah they had those couple of weeks before Soul and Wonder Woman dropped on streaming, and 
this is Christmas week. Everyone is off or a lot of people are off. Kids are home. And with kids, kids are always home. Kids are always home. And kids, they are not satiated with just one. So giving them soul and saying soul is new. Here's soul. That's not going to satiate a child for an entire Christmas week. Soul can't be your soul release. Yes. They need a new movie. They need a new age. And I think soul, if anything, just made the kids hungrier because they're like, I love that. I love that it was a new feature length film that was designed for theatrical. Give me another one. And then you're, you know, you're a parent, you're renting or, or, or buying crudes a new age. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that must have done huge PVOD numbers. Yeah, box office, it's it's kind of tapering off right now. Yeah, but 30 is uh, is is great. Yeah. Number four, Monster Hunter, 1.1 million, dropping 48.9%. Not a crazy drop. I mean, it's it's a drop that you would have gotten in normal times. I guess it's just starting from such a low spot. Yeah, it made 4.2 million. I, I got it. This is a domestic failure. Yeah, I agree. Because this is the kind of film that, you know, it's a video game film. It's got Mila, Mila, Mila Jovovich. I think this could have really done well yep. as counter-programming in the pandemic. And people just didn't want to see it. Yeah. I I was on record the week before this came out thinking this was going to do really well comparatively. Because I just figured the Mila Jovovich fans, the Paul W.S. Anderson video game adaptation fans, they are... They're the type that either A, is uh, uh, just ignoring COVID rules because, you know, they they live in an alternate world, or they are just so naturally heavy masked up. You know, they're going out with plastic masks that they've been wearing for five years. Oh, yeah, the cosplayers. Right, that they uh, don't fear the outside or the theaters because they're they're living inside of a, a, a you know, a, an alien suit. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They just stayed home. You know, we're not the the video game boys, but there may have been a big video game that got released these last few weeks, you know, like a big PC gamer. Oh, I think there was. Wasn't there one? Wasn't there the one that Keanu Reeves did the voice for? Okay. It's like Cyber something 2077. So that might have been it. That might have been it. You Could know, been it. it's, you know, the way that the way that is dad, Tom Hanks's dad nip. You know, that that game was probably, you know, uh, Mila fan nip. Not as good. Not as good. That wasn't as good. No, no. That's not going to stick around forever, but you get the point. It's It worked for now, though. Yeah. Number five, Promising Young Woman, mm. $719,000 in 1,310 theaters. An a-, a screen average of 549. That's really bad. So they tried to open this wide because I think the screens were available. Mm-hmm. And Promising Young Woman, disappointing new box office. Yeah. And this was a universal movie, right? Focus. It's focus, focus, which is universal. So the window, I assume, is, shrink- is going to be shrunk. So yeah. we're going to see this soon. Yeah. It should have always been. It should have always been streaming, but the thing is, if Universal is saying, this is our strategy. That's true. Everything gets a theatrical release, and then everything has a short window. So why not do it? Why not do it? Because I I do think that might be long-term, and you know, next week we're going to do our preview 2021 episode. 
But I could see long term that being everyone's strategy. We're like even Netflix is putting everything out for a weekend or Amazon Prime, you know, so Promising Young Woman is that level of movie, a movie that always should have been a streamer, but it'll get it a token box office release. I think they were expecting more out of this because they felt there was buzz behind it. Oh, they thought there would be more. Yeah. Um, I wonder if this disastrous opening puts something of a stink on this movie when it goes to streaming or for awards play. Cause like, this is also a movie that they're hoping to get a lot of nom, nom, noms out of. And 700,000 is rough. At least Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. Is being touted as a best actress. Nom, nom, nom to get a nom, nom, nom. Yeah. I don't think box office matters in that. Maybe not. It depends how this is covered. You know, because if it is, if if the the entertainment sites, you know, the other box office prognosticators and and reviewers like us, if they give this one a a a, a mulligan, a carry mulligan, then I don't think it'll matter. But if you start seeing those articles and you start hearing, you know, uh, other people like us beating the drum that this was a bomb, you get that stink on a movie. And they got to be careful that this movie gets the stink of a bomb on it. The The issue with this opening is that five doesn't seem so bad. But then you look at the number six movie, Fatal. Yeah. Which has Hillary, Hillary Dwank in it. Okay. And she, and that made 659,000. Jeez. So almost the same. And it had more money per screen, 564. Wow. And this is the second weekend wow. of a movie that should not have been this close to a new buzzy yes. release with somebody who is being touted as a possible best actress. Yeah. This should have beaten Monster Hunter and at the very least given the crudes a run for its money. Yes. And it didn't. And that's a failure financially. And I haven't seen the movie. I'm excited to see the movie. Yeah, I want to see it when it comes to PVOD. But I don't know if if Box office wise, this may taint it, like you said. Yeah, because this you're right. This should have opened at number three. Because it, it should have it's the it's another new movie. There's no excuse for for crudes and definitely for Monster Hunter to have beaten it. That's absurd. This movie had a decent amount of marketing behind it. You know, the trailers have been out because it was supposed to come out last spring. So like that trailer's been around forever. And it's gotten a million think pieces written about it. It it should have done better. Do you think there it was, was rejected? Do you think now just go with me on this? Yeah, do you always. think there's any level of dads saw the trailer for this movie? Right. And they're like, oh, this is a sex movie. Okay. So maybe I want to see a sex movie. Okay. But they went to the theater and they bought a ticket for Wonder Woman 1984 or News of the World. And then they snuck into this movie and didn't pay ticket price. And then they were like, oh, it's actually not really a sex movie. I don't think there was any dad interest in this. I think if you've seen the trailer, dads, especially if they're thinking back to their youth because of Wonder Woman 1984, I think dads see this trailer and they think, I don't want to think about this stuff. Okay. I I I think this is Promising Young Woman. I think was never going to have any dads in the theater. Okay. You don't think they thought it was a sex movie? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. 
Uh, and again, I feel like with the dads promising young woman, they, they'd rather have, like we said, you know, a classic sturdy woman, like wonder woman. Um, I, I don't think the dads were ever going to be an audience for a promising young woman. I, I think it just came down to, which we've seen a lot, the 20 and you know, the, the, the 20 year olds are maybe the least likely audience to be going to the box office right now. Yep. And I think promising young woman was always directed at that audience. True. You got yeah, they're they're yeah. Like teens, I think, will go to some degree. They feel super, you know, uh unbeatable. I think 35 and up, you know, you're gonna go to stuff. But I think there's that 20 through, you know, 25 to 35. I think that audience is probably the smallest for movies right now. And that was who was gonna go see this movie. Yep. You're right. Well, that was our top five. Let's move on to yes. our top 10 for the year. Wow. Now, these are the domestic earners for the year 2020, and right. these are all films that have been released in 2020. Right. So, so no you, holdovers from 2019. You may see some charts that have COVID-1917 on them, mm-hmm. that have Star Wreck, right. or Star Wars, Star Warts, I'm sorry. Star Warts, uh, The Fall of Skywalker. Yeah. And those are right. Don't listen to those lists. Right. Don't look at those lists. Jumanji Next Level, which was a great, great movie from 2019, but it was from 2019. Yeah. So this is going to be movies that were released in 2020. Okay. Number one, Bad Boys for Life, a domestic box office of two hundred and four million dollars. We clapped when it crossed two hundred. We gotta clap again now got a clap and remember when three-day openings were 62 million dollars wow. remember that what an, i mean we're, we're gonna mostly blow through these because we're doing our winners and losers of the year but i do have to say one of the great memories of box office in a long time was the weekend bad boys for life opened and throughout the weekend that uh number that opening weekend number kept climbing. Do you remember that oh, Friday abs- and Saturday? I remember it vividly because we kept texting each yep. other. And then we were we were on this podcast the weekend before. Yep. And I was really not high on this movie because I was nervous about it. Yep. And I think I said that the opening would be 30 or 35. Yep. And I was bullish. I said plus 50. You said plus 50. And then it just kept climbing and kept yep. climbing. And... I don't like to be wrong. Nobody likes to be wrong, but I was ecstatic to be wrong yep. at, at, uh, with this. Yep. And that movie just held, and it held the consciousness of the movie-going public. Yeah. And, you know, it was right before it. We didn't know. We didn't know. How could we know? That th- we would then be living in the way we're living now. Right. But that, that, that moment of ecstasy. Mm-hmm. You have to believe that it could come back someday. Yes, yes. We're 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 forever chasing a return to Bad Boys for Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so number one, Bad Boys for Life. Mm-hmm. Number two, Sonic the Hedgehog. Wow, a hundred and forty-six million dollars opened at fifty-eight. That's great. That was another movie that we were talking about, maybe being on our bombs list. Yeah, but then it. Jim Carrey brought Jim Carrey back. It was a fun family film. Yep. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, 
I mean, deserves yeah this number two spot. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah, let's go through the whole list because then a lot of these will be on our winners and losers. Okay, so Birds of Prey, The Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn is number three, $84 million, mm-hmm. opened at 33 Number four, After We Collided, which is a, a movie that was mostly released in Canada, yep. made $82 million. Now, Max Theater Count, according to the numbers... 546. Wow. So this, this is a word of mouth hit. Yeah. This is a word of mouth hit. Number five, Doolittle. Mm-hmm. $77 million. Cume. Mm-hmm. $21 million opening. Invisible Man. $64.9 million. Mm-hmm. Opened at 28. Number seven, Call of the Wild. Yep. $62 million. Cume. Opened at $24 million. Great opening. Onward, number eight, mm-hmm. $61.5 million, opened at 39. Number nine, Tenet, $57.9 million, opening 20. Real no, opening, 9.3. If that. If that. If that. Number 10, the Gentleman, mm-hmm. $36.4 million, opened at 10 Yeah. I mean, that was that was a January movie this past year. So that was a movie that had a full release and, and theatrical life. A movie we both genuinely liked. We did. All right. So that's your top 10. coming. So just to give you a few bumbling, a bubbling under. Right. Number 11, The Crew. It's a new age. Great for them. Right? That's awesome at 30. And then... Fantasy Island at 12. Okay. But that was full on, you know, people were still going to the theaters right. with 26. Number 13, New Mutants, $23 million. Opening weekend, seven. So almost During a pandemic. Almost a tenant with less theaters and way less promotion and a, and a multi-year uh, stink on it. Yes. So but it had is, something that tenant didn't have and we'll get to that. We will get to that. So some fun, and then unhinged at sixteen, which uh, Where twenty million. War, where's war with grandpa? On the is it in the top twenty? Number eighteen. Great. Number eighteen. There we go. So okay, so now you've got the backstory, and just to let you know, we had to use the numbers as our website to put together that top ten list. Yes. We did not use Box Office Mojo. More on that later, later. in our winners and losers, but we have compiled. Six different categories for which we've picked some winners and some losers in each category. And we're going to go through them here, discuss a few things we might debate. The B.O. boys have a little, a few discrepancies coming up. We have brains of our own. We have separate brains. Separate brains. A lot of people think there's some kind of unibrain situation going on here. There are separate brains. No. We're not the Borg. No. We're the boys. Yeah. So we're going to start with studios. Okay. Now, we'll have winners, losers, and then we'll have honorable mention as well. If we feel like we deem somebody deem somebody honorable. So, winner for studios, I think, hands down, we both agree on this, is Universal. Yes. Yes. And Universal, again, went to war with the theaters, specifically AMC, earlier in the year, before mm-hmm. pandemic happened, mm-hmm. because they wanted to shorten the window. AMC threatened, we, will, we won't show your movies, blah, blah, blah. Wow. How 
how much has that changed? Because yep. now the theaters are gobbling up these Universal releases because Universal, like we t- talked about, shortened this window, 17-day. Mm-hmm. They were able to get that down. So they're releasing everything to theaters yep. because why not? Why Exactly. Why, why not? not? And that has kept the theaters afloat. Yep. So Universal figured out what they needed to do. They got the window shortened, which is for the future, even after the pandemic, going to reap benefits for all studios. Yeah. And they put out quality products. Yeah. They also were the first to, when the pandemic first hit, they took theaters that, um, um, movies that were in the theaters that when the theaters all closed, they put those on PVOD for 1999. Yeah, we had never right. seen that before. They were the ones who they immediately put Invisible Man and The Hunt on PVOD immediately, and, and The Hunt became a hit. Was Bloodshot too, or Bloodshot? Bloodshot, was a Bloodshot, I believe as well. Yeah, you, I believe wow. Bloodshot was Universal. And the other super smart thing Universal did. Oh no, I'm sorry. So I believe Bloodshot was Sony. I think maybe. you're right. Yeah. yeah. So, but the other smart thing, speaking of Vin Diesel, that Universal did is they took their biggest property, which is Fast and Furious franchise. They took Fast 9 and they just moved it an entire year because that one, they said, we're not screwing around with this. We're not uh, uh, waiting to see, you know, second wave, third wave in the fall. We're just moving it. They moved it all the way out to spring 2021. Now it's sitting at Memorial Day 2021. And I think that is a such a smart date for Universal because the way things are looking, we might have, you know, uh, 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 many uh, things might be a lot better by the time we hit May. And I think Universal is set up to have Fast 9 open Memorial Day weekend and be that celebratory return to the, the greatest normalcy we've had in a long time. I think Fast 9 is going to open huge on Memorial Day. Yeah, and I think the Fast and the Furious franchise is not – they're no stranger to moves, no strangers yep. to uh, movies having to be pushed back, obviously, because of the tragic passing of um, – Paul Walker. Paul Walker. That only built anticipation yep. for the seventh movie, and I believe the same has happened. Yes. So they know how to make people want their product and yep. also giving people the product when they want it. Yes, Exactly. Because I don't want Fast 9 now. I want it post-vax, Memorial Day weekend. I go into that theater, packed house. That's what we're hoping for. And I think Universal has been very smart up to this point. So I trust them to know that that is going to be the right weekend to open it. They they have the consumer trust. Yes. That's so huge. Yes. And I, I think that that will... If, if they are if they're able to keep that for the next few years, Universal is going to be the studio that filmmakers are going to want to work with. Yes. And they, you know, the 17-day the window thing, you know, this year you had Trolls World Tour, you had Crudes that were, did as well as they could in this environment. But I think that what you said, it's more about the future. And Universal creating this shrinkage window is going to be them getting looked back upon as the the innovators of of box office of theatrical because that is what it's going to move to and they're the ones who will always get the credit at least from the BO boys of having created the shrinkage window. Is there any more important credit than credit from the BO boys? None. 
none. So Universal is a winning studio, but we have a do we have some honorable mention studios? We do. And these are new studio who this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Solstice Studios, who put out Unhinged. Yep. Russell Crowe, car movie. That made $20 million. Yep. And paved the way for Tenet to only have Tenet Jackknife. Yes. On yes. the highway when it was completely paved. Yeah. Unhinged, Unhinged, we always said, was the canary in the coal mine. The thing we didn't expect is that the canary would do such a great job in the coal mine and then Tenet would come from behind and knock the entire mine down behind it so the canary can't even get out. Yeah, Tenet was actually the carbon monoxide. Yes, that killed the canary in the coal mine. Yeah. But Solstice Studios... Got everybody out of the coal mine, which is the theater. The the coal mine is the theater. Is the theater, yeah. Yeah. Which you want to get people into. Yeah, you want to get people into. Yeah, yeah. Who else is going to get the coal? Who else is going to... How else are we going to get coal if we don't send people into the coal mine? Exactly, exactly. So, Solstice Studios... Winner and then 101 Studios. Oh, now, 101 job. Studios not only are they killing it in television, Yellowstone, That's right? right. We're not the TV boys, but Yellowstone is such a huge hit, and we love it, and we love it. And that's they are uh behind that, they're one of the I guess studios behind that that show. And then War with Grandpa, yep. This was a film that was saved, it was on the shelf. Mm-hmm. It was owned by the Weinstein, or the Weinsteins were going to put it out, and this right. was like 2017, 2018. Right. They, 101 Studios, sees this. They see what they have. Yeah. And they release this movie. They roll it out well. It makes, it's it's at 17, it's, it's I think, about around 17 million in theaters. Yeah. 17 plus. They also roll it out on PVOD at, this, at the right time. After Crudes, but before Soul and Wonder Woman 1984. Perfect window. And they make it a less expensive rental. Mm-hmm. It was $14.99. And then, oh no, actually it was $14.99 purchase. Wow. And then a $5.99 rental, which, which that's how we watched it. Yep. And it was worth every penny. Yep. And if you haven't listened to our last episode, we did a little bonus on the War with Grandpa in which we did... The movie versus the original text. And mm-hmm. great episode. Our big takeaway is that Worth Grandpa is an awesome movie. Yes. De Niro, great return to form. He's a star once again. And that poster. Yeah, iconic. Is an iconic poster. That 101 Studios poster for Worth Grandpa where you got De Niro with the sort of war paint on, you know, with the grandkin next to him says everything you need to know about this movie. It is about a grandpa going to war mm-hmm. and he is taking no prisoners. Fun for the whole family. Yep. So that's the, that's our winner. Well, oh no. We got to do our loser. We got to do our loser. So the losing studio is, of course... Warner Brothers. Yes. Now, there's a myriad of reasons why mm-hmm. Warner Brothers is a loser. Mm-hmm. Obviously, choosing to put out Tenet over Wonder Woman 1984, mm-hmm. huge mistake. Yep. Also, they're, they never felt confident with their moves. Mm-hmm. They were all over the place. They were moving things herky-jerky. They were leaving things too long. They, they, they were reticent to move things to PVOD or move things to streaming. And then they decided to dump everything on streaming in 2021 as a knee-jerk reaction. Yep. So... 
2021, their whole slate of films are going to be released day and date theater and HBO Max. Yes. Which is for, for now, because we, as we know, there are a mountain of lawsuits coming their way that may blow up that whole strategy. Well, because Dune is already, Dune is already probably going to go just to the theaters because right. Legendary is making a stink and yeah. they will take you to court. Yes. So I do think that that is going to be an announcement that gets consumers excited, but then they have to renege on it yep. and it's going to make consumers angry. Yep. Because instead of the Universal 17 day, they're doing this weird at the same day and date, but then those movies are only going to be available on the service for a month. Yes. Then they're going to go to PVOD. That that rollout strategy doesn't make any sense. Because if you're going to put it on your streamer and you want to build up your streamer, those should live on your streamer yes. forever. Yes. In perpetuity. Because I guarantee you there are people who are going to order HBO Max over the course of this month because they want to watch Wonder Woman but aren't going to watch it right away. And then when that movie is not on there anymore or when they have someone over the house, you know, after a, a 10 day quarantine, someone comes over. Oh, I have HBO Max. Let's watch Wonder Woman. I saw it already, but now I want to watch it with you. And then it's just not there. anymore. Yeah, this is January 26th. Yep. January 26th. They they bring their friend over. They say, I got HBO Max. Let's watch it. Right. It's gone. You know right. why? Because it expires and goes away January 25th. Jesus. Warner Brothers is doing the opposite of Universal, where they are eroding trust. Yes. And they're eroding trust with the moviegoers. They're eroding trust with the filmmakers, with the actors, with the production companies. And they're going to be on an island. And oh, it's yeah. It's going to be that island with Godzilla on it that no one wants to visit. And again, they were the studio that had artists wanting to work with them yes. because they cultivated artists. They allowed artists to make the film, make the films they wanted to make. Right. Someone like Clint Eastwood's home is Warner brothers. He was able to make a movie called the mule last year that made over a hundred million dollars domestic. Now yeah. wrap your head around that. Yes. That is a huge hit from a 90 year old man. Yep. And the only company that would release that is Warner brothers. Yep. And it is the, their pandemic strategy has been the worst of anyone. They've been the most all over the place. They are flip flopping like crazy and they just seem untrustworthy. And I don't know if they'll be able to build that trust back. And not to slurp Universal more, but talking about the 17 day window, that is not that's not uh, necessarily in stone with all films. Right. Right. It's an option which makes right. it better. So. F9 isn't going to have a 17-day window, huh? huh? Because it's going to do Bafa Bobo in right. the theaters. But it's those smaller films right. that they want to put in theaters, see how it does, and let it roll. Right. If it does better, they still have the option right. to take chances with films that they normally wouldn't, right. that they normally would send straight to PVOD. To put it in the theater and see if it hits. And if it does hit, then the 17-day window can either stay or go. That's the thing that's brilliant about it. With Warner Brothers, it's day and date no matter what. That's stupid. Yeah. You're yeah. leaving money on the table. Because, again, like, and I think a movie like F9, the shrinkage window, you're right. That movie isn't going to be on PVOD in 17 days. But... I guarantee you F9 will go to PVOD a lot sooner than it would have in years past because mm -hmm. 
a movie like that always opens huge, couple of big weekends, starts to drop off. I wouldn't be surprised if that movie opens Memorial Day weekend and by 4th of July, it's on PBOD. Yes. While it's still in some theaters. Absolutely. And that's great because we want to see movies when they're hot, when they're being talked about. But Warner Brothers is basically leaving all that money on the table by not giving some window of theaters only. Mm -hmm. So they're a loser. We'll probably end up talking about Warner Brothers more in this winners and losers. Because talk about, okay, so we'll get to, we'll get to this guy, but just to say the tenant window, right? That movie didn't come out on PVOD until December 15th. Right. After opening the first weekend in September. And we've been talking about that movie forever. Right. And I haven't even seen it. I'll never see it, obviously, right. because I left money on the table. Cardinal Sin. But I've never I, I haven't seen that movie because it's still a nineteen ninety nine rental. <sighs> and it didn't go to Warner Brothers. It, it didn't, didn't go, go to, to HBO Max. Max. What are you doing, Warner Brothers? What are you doing? Loser of the year. Yes. Yeah. Now we're gonna go to actor. Okay. Winners. It's a tie. Yep. The 90s are back. Mm-hmm. Will Smith and Jim Carrey. Yes. Now, this is pre-pandemic, but I think the juice mm-hmm. and the goodwill that these two actors have accumulated in the first few months of 2020 are going to still bear fruit yep. in 2021. I mean, they're the stars of... Pretty much the only two outright domestic blockbusters of the year. Call of uh, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, starring Jim Carrey, Bad Boys for Life, starring Will Smith. Those are the big two for 2020. Yes, and and I and I think that it's Jim Carrey. Obviously, we're not talking about TV. We're not TV, TV boys, but you know Jim Carrey then playing Biden. As much as that is a maligned impression. He is big enough to be a draw on that show again because he is now a movie star. Again. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a push. You know, he can't make movies right now, so he might as well have done that. Kill a couple. He's doing of weeks. it for fun. But I think that Jim Carrey performance in Sonic sets him up to open another big Jim Carrey theatrical comedy. Because that is a comedic performance. Yes. He plays the villain, Mr. Robotnik. Yeah, Dr. Robotnik. Dr. Robotnik. Sorry, fuck it. We're doing it live. Uh, And that is a pure comedic performance. The likes we haven't seen from him in years. Yep. And yeah, I think people are hungering for another Ace Ventura type movie from him. Right. And we'll get it. I think we will get it in 2021 or 2022. Yeah. And people will be waiting for it. Yep. And then same thing with Will Smith as an action star. I mean... He still got it. He still looks young as hell. Looks great in Bad Boys for Life. So I think that's huge. He's going to... He you know, he had Aladdin the year before. The big summer movie. Aladdin over... It's so funny because... Way overperformed. Way overperformed for a movie now people don't remember. Right. That Aladdin was being picked as a bomb. Yes. By many people. Yes. Yourself included? Possibly. Yourself included, I yeah, think. I think so. I think I did presume Alana would be a bomb, and it was it was way overperformed. And it way overperformed, and... And the same thing the year before at Suicide Squad. 
you know? Well, so, we we have a debate over whether or not well, he's a star of that film and whether or not I he's think, he's the drawing I power think, to that. I think a movie that we're going to talk about is one of our losers is shows that Will Smith was indeed the biggest drawing star of Suicide Squad because we had a spinoff of Suicide Squad that came out this year and super tanked. And I think it shows that character, Harley Quinn, was not the star of Suicide Squad. People came out because it was a Will Smith comic book action movie. I think and, the DC weirdos came out because it was a DC But that film. movie made over $800 million worldwide. It made, I think, three fifty domestic. That was a bigger hit than just a D, throwing a DC label on something does. I think Will Smith the last few years has shown with Suicide Squad, with Aladdin, he's still a giant star. Bad Boys for Life put just cemented it. Absolutely. Now, losers. Well, honorable mention for Adam. Okay, honorable mention. I've got one that I'm 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 throwing in there. All right. Do you want to say it? Yes, I say that a winner this year, as far as actors at box office, is Elizabeth Moss, the star of The Invisible Man, which was a big hit pre-pandemic and would have done bigger. Because Pandemic came probably like three weekends into its run. And I think that's a movie that you could probably add 20 or $30 million to its total. It would have gotten that much higher had there not been a pandemic. It could have broke 100. Yeah, because what did it top out at? Did it hit 60? 64. Yeah, I think that's a movie that in a perfect world, no pandemic, it may have hit 100 domestic. Either way, though, could we agree that was a hit movie? Oh, it was a buzzy hit movie. The the disagreement that we have is that you think that she's going to be a star. Yes. And I disagree strongly. I feel like there was a point in time where you backtracked on that. And now you're firmer again that Elizabeth Moss is not going to be a movie star. She's someone who always gets Oscar buzz for these indie movies. She's got a buzzy TV hit. She's... Uh, she's someone that people like. She's got a thing about her, you know. Like she has got an it factor. She's she's got somebody. An it factor. Some people like enough but people. Will that Smith, Invisible Man. When you say, when you talk about yes. Julia Roberts or you talk yes. about Will Smith, they're not people that some people yes. like. They're people that nearly everybody likes. But I think Elizabeth, that's the difference. Elizabeth Moss. No, she's too divisive. Is not. I think she is someone who. And listen, we're talking about this is a winners losers list. It's not a who is guaranteed to be a future giant star list. So she is a winner because she top-lined one of the few big hit movies that came out this year. Yes, she is a winner winner of this year. And I do think that will create opportunities where she's going to get several chances now to top-line other theatrical movies. That will fail. Possibly, but I think she's a winner in the fact that she's going to get those movies. Whether they succeed or fail, we'll see. But she, you're going to see an Elizabeth Moss, probably an action movie, maybe a rom-com that'll go to theaters, and the draw will be she's the star of the movie. No way she gets a rom-com. We'll see how it goes, but I, I think Invisible Man is setting her up to star in some movies. So she's a winner in my book. Uh, w- Let's uh, talk losers, though. Well, another honorable mention real fast, because I think we both agree on this. Uh-huh. Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, yes. Yes. Because New Mutants was, again, a movie that was on the shelf forever. I think a lot of the reason people went to see that film was because of her. Yes. Agreed. And Emma was a movie that 
We'll never know how it would have done because it basically came out the weekend before the pandemic hit that week. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a push. You know, that was one of the movies that went straight to PVOD. I'm sure it did pretty well. Um, But yeah, she had Queen's Gambit, which is, you know, not box office, a streamo, but it was very buzzy. And yeah, New Mutants overperformed so much. And I think I agree. It's because she's the star. A movie like that doesn't overperform without a star. Yes. Okay. So losers, 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 Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And now this is a little controversial because when you look at the charts, they're deceiving Mm -hmm. because when we're talking about Wonder Woman 1984 making $16 million in an opening and that being great. Right. You have to remember that when Doolittle, Doolittle making as little as it did and being the number five domestic earner at $77 million, if this were actual box office like it was before and this was an actual 2020 that didn't have COVID in a top 10, Doolittle would be nowhere near it. No. It wouldn't no. be sniffing the top 20. It would only be – see, that's the reason why we had to call this out as a bomb and – uh, Downey Jr. is a loser because he can't hide behind the pandemic, you know? No. And in a year without a pandemic, Doolittle would have been looked, would it would have been one of just society's biggest losers of the years. Mm-hmm. You know, he got to hide behind uh, a lot of politicians and, a, and a, 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 a pandemic that everyone hates. So he got to hide behind them being the real losers. And in another year, Downey Jr. is probably ranking up there as like a top 10 real life loser just based on Doolittle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this movie cost a ton. It cost $200 million. They had to reloop all his dialogue because, I don't know, he was doing a stupid accent or he was mumbling, I, you know, whatever this story was on set. It's a movie about crying emus. It's a movie about crying emus. And it's a movie that, you know, before... The pandemic hit and we had other things to worry about. We were all making fun of this movie, mm-hmm. you know, and Doolittle's box office was not affected by the pandemic at all. It came out in January. It had a full run. It yes. bombed of its own accord. That's what we have to remember with our next loser. Yeah. When it comes to actors, Margot Robbie. Yes. Who we love. Yes. She's but right. Birds of Prey, number one, you got to call it Harley Quinn. They tried to rebrand it. Another Warner Brothers mistake. They tried to rebrand it later. They tried to get fancy. They thought that this was a slam doink. Right. And it wasn't. Now, it's a fun movie. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. It's not a bad, it's but, not a terrible movie. But but seeing the DC, uh, what DC has made. Yeah. It's probably top three DC films uh, because all those films are so bad. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, there was... This was her big swing of having a franchise not being just part of Suicide Squad. This right. was her big swing to be Harley Quinn, one, two, three, four, right. Birds of Prey, all that. And it failed. 100%. Even though we're looking at the, you know, it was again, probably top four in the box office. It's number year. three. Yeah. At 84 mil. But you got to think when you look at these DC movies like Aquaman made a billion dollars. Right, right. You know what I mean? Wonder Woman, number one, made almost a billion dollars. Right. Like this- And domestically, yeah, Wonder Woman, the first one I think made 300 mil. Aquaman made probably 250. Yeah. You know, Suicide Squad, the one with her made over 300. So 80 mil, I mean, this was a movie that before it opened, people were thinking it's going to open 
50, 60, 70 million yeah. for the weekend. And people didn't want it. And I guess Margot Robbie is in the end not the star that we thought she was. She's not the draw. She's no Elizabeth Moss. She's no Elizabeth Moss. Listen, <laughs> Elizabeth Moss is going to get her superhero movies. Like that will happen. Okay. Because she's a winner this year. Um, and again, I think retroactively, this movie bombing only adds luster to Will Smith's star power because it shows Suicide Squad a few years ago was a Will Smith vehicle. It was not a Harley Quinn vehicle. Because the Harley Quinn vehicle came out this year, pre-pandemic, and it tanked. So we are relitigating a movie from what, 2017 or 2018? That is what the wannabe-o boys, wannabe-o girls, wannabe-o people people. expect out of us. Okay. Is to take a cumulative look at box office, even if that means going back several years in a year-end review. Does Margot Robbie bounce back? Yes. I think she's... She Listen, she got an Oscar nom 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 last year for Bombshell. She's going to be in franchise movies. I think Harley Quinn is going to pop up in some Suicide Squad movie. And I think that's going to feel like a defeat for her. Well, I think she was always going to still be part of that. Yeah, but it's going to feel... in If Harley Quinn... If Birds of Prey had been a hit, Harley Quinn appearing in the next Suicide Squad Squad movie would have felt like her doing a triumphant cameo... I feel like now it's going to it's going to play as if oh she had to do this huh a yeah. little bit of that you're going to have that feeling cuz the movie her solo movie bombed yeah i think margot robbie is a loser this year but she's she's a big star and she's a producer she produces projects yeah. she's she's firmly entrenched in the hollywood yeah uh topography if you will if so you, she's if we had done a winners and losers of 2019 she would have been a big winner because she had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, giant hit. Bombshell. Bombshell, which was a bomb, but kind of nom, nom, nom. So that makes it a hit for that actor. So she would have been a big winner last year. She's just a loser this year. Yes. But Star- a lot of That happens with losers. stars. That happens with stars. She'll be fine. A couple years ago, Will Smith would have been a loser. Mm. After Earth? Way back. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He would have had a year where he was a loser. And I think Margot Robbie will be fine. Robert Downey Jr. is a loser this year. I don't know what his future holds. Well, he's doing Iron Man again. Like, we we know he's going to be in the next... In uh, the Black Widow movie. But that's not... That'll be a cameo. Like, him being a solo star above uh, uh, big movies, I don't know if that's going to be it. We'll see. GBD. He might be a permanent loser. Wow. Okay. Let's go to movies real fast. We okay. kind of already covered yeah. our winner, Bad Boys for Life. Number yes. one domestic. Uh, there's no denying that that was a huge hit. Yeah. The opening weekend itself was an event as a story uh, we'll always remember. Mm-hmm. Honorable mention, we talked about it before, Sonic. Yep. Sonic overperformed. Also, we have in here too, New Mutants, because yeah. that's a movie that opened at $7 million. Most other movies during this pandemic did not open that big. No, no. I mean, that is a movie that pre-pandemic, everyone was assuming would bomb. People would have thought that New Mutants maybe would have topped out at 7 to 10 million for its run just if there had been no pandemic. And instead, in one of the worst box office climates, it it opened at 7 million. And this was a notorious Edge movie. Yes. This was a movie that was never going to come out. This yep. was a movie that continuously edged you. Yeah. And 
who knew if you told me that the the number one edge movie would come out and actually do Bafa Bobo, I would have been like, you're insane. It's yeah. an edge movie. It's never coming out. But it was a great release. Great release. Full release. Great release. Yeah. So loser mm-hmm. onward. Yes. Now, this is a movie that can blame the pandemic. And what we need to tell everybody who's listening is that do not listen to that. No. Nope. Do not listen to the pundits that are going to say Onward failed because of the pandemic. That was a film that was not had bad buzz. Yep. Nobody wanted to see. It was a good dinosaur level uh, Pixar film. Yep. Disney, obviously, by re- releasing it, when did it come out? Last March, beginning of March, February or so? I believe so, yeah. And that was always the original scheduled date. I think February. It must have come out in the middle of February. That... Disney had always pegged onward to be a uh, uh, maybe not a bomb, but they they knew it was the lesser of their their Pixar movies because yes. they saved Soul for the summer, and then Soul eventually got the big splashy Disney Plus release. So they always knew they had Soul, they had Onward, and they always knew Onward was the redheaded stepchild mm-hmm. of the two, and they were right. This was a March 6th release. A March 6th release. So they, For America. Yeah. So that was a movie that they figured would not be that good. People rejected it. They rejected it before the pandemic because, remember, Tom Hanks didn't get COVID until a week or two later. Mm-hmm. And pre-Tom Hanks getting COVID, everyone was doing everything. It was, you know, a bacchanalia. It was New Year's Eve every night until that moment. So... Onward can't blame the pandemic. Onward bombed of its own accord. It's a loser. It is a loser. A loser. All right. So let's go to our box office aggregating sites. Okay. Number aggregating sites, winners and losers. Obviously, the numbers is the winner mm-hmm. by default. Yes. Loser, box office mojo. Yeah. I mean, numbers is what we use to put together our top 10 domestic uh, box office uh, of the year. But it was only because Box Office Mojo was unreadable. Yeah. As it has been all year. It is a it is a under-the-radar, crazy, bad reinvention for a website. It's mm-hmm. one of the worst... It's one of the worst things to happen to the internet in years Mm -hmm. because it used to be a go-to it used to be where everybody went now they make it frustrating you have to have an imdb pro page which nobody has yep it's i don't understand what they're doing there's i don't think there's been a press release apologizing no i saw an imdb i was out for a run um here in new york coastal elite and I saw a billboard for an IMDb Pro subscription. The billboard was on the side of a motel, a Motel 8. Yeah. Out in, you know, I had run out to this area. And the billboard, and I was like, there's never been a more fitting place for a billboard having IMDb Pro have a billboard on the side of a motel. Yeah. Because that is the level... That IMD Pro is at, and that is the level that they have pulled Box Office Mojo down to. It's, it's such motel a motel level. It's such a shame. Yeah. So then the numbers is something that I guess we are we're dealing with. We're it's stuck fine. with. Yeah. Um, I want to give an honorable mention to a site that I have been using 
as far as box office goes. Okay. So it is a, uh, a site and a uh, Twitter account, Exhibitor Relations Company. And they are, I've mostly been following them on Twitter. And they have some really good takes on what's going on in box office and some good numbers because they dig in and they find the real numbers. So their main stuff is behind a paywall. Okay. So I've only been following on Twitter. And I, I've told you about these, Clayton. We're going to have them on the show yes. in a couple of weeks. So Exhibitor Relations Company, they're doing a good job out there. They're behind a paywall, but if you've got good stuff, then people should pay for it. That's the thing is IMDb, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a Box Office Mojo, we didn't have to pay for it for so long that you can't make us pay for it now. Right. But right. But but this website, yeah. they're, they're saying, hey, pay. Hey, but we've got the numbers. But we've got the numbers. We call the real. We call the theaters. We get the numbers. We analyze the numbers. They're in the Bo Boys universe as far as quality, as far as analysis. Because Box Office Mojo wouldn't make phone calls they during phone the calls. early pandemic, right. To see what was what. Right. We were all on Zoom. Yes. This whole year, Box Office Mojo could not just get on Zoom with these drive-ins, with these indie theaters. And ask for the real numbers because the here's just to get on a Zoom call with them, Box Office Mojo. Get Get on on a a Zoom. Get on a Zoom with all of them. Yes, at at once, once. and just say in the chat, send me your numbers. Exactly. They couldn't do that because just to give a little context, a little bit of context. Back when the pandemic first started, studios were not reporting numbers. They were not, and that is how. And the only studio that was reporting numbers was IFC. So that's why they got some fraudulent number ones, Mm -hmm. and. Box Office Mojo just sat with, I don't know, their feet up and were like, well, I don't know what to do if nobody's reporting to us. Mm-hmm. Make a phone call. Yep. Make a Zoom call. Yep. So we had to find, not only were they, all their good shit was behind a paywall, but we couldn't even get any numbers. No numbers. For weeks. No. Big loser. Big loser. Big Box loser, Box Office Mojo. Mojo. But we're we're going to be bringing you some big time box office analysts next year to show you how it's done show you how it's done any honorable mention on the losers no no that's enough box office mojo stands alone as a loser so independence this is our spotlight on indies that succeeded this year yep and our winner of course Killer Raccoons 2, Dark Christmas After Dark, yes. and its star, Nick Turner. I mean, let's... Yeah, number one comedy star in America for a few weeks yes. running yeah, because of this Yeah, two or three film. weeks. Scrappy indie movie uh, sequel. Yeah. Which is, is, is fun to see a sequel doing so well. And comedy sequels are tough. They are. You know, some of our biggest comedy stars... Billy Crystal with City Slickers 2, you know, famously have struggled to recapture the magic of the original. Travis Irvine, the director of Killer Raccoons 2, and of course, his star, Nick, Nick Turner, Turner, they not only captured, but they exceeded the magic of the original movie and made this into a sleeper comedy hit. Yeah. Nick Turner, a, a actor, yep. writer, podcaster. Yep. Right. Listen to him on Get Rich Nick, his podcast. It's great. It's it's rare you get to see a movie star like Nick Turner, who still also dabbles in podcasting. I know. He also has a podcast called Deckheads. Yep. 
Yeah. So it's 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 something we're we're seeing about big... below deck, the 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 reality show below deck. Yes. Yes. And you don't get that that much. You know, Jim Carrey during his liar liar, dumb and dumber, uh Bruce Almighty run. I guess podcasting wasn't a technology that was available. He would have had to host a radio show, but you don't see that a lot. And so Nick Turner, one of this year's big comedy stars, you could still catch him on podcasts. Yeah. For, for right now, now. For, for now. now. So honorable mention. Yep. Unsubscribe. Yes. Now, th- we had these gentlemen who made this film mm-hmm. on our podcast. They look this interview up. We have it in the feed. Go yep. back in the feed. I think we talked to them probably early in the summer. It might have been May or June. Yeah, it was early in the summer. And what they did was they were taking advantage of the fact that they so we had this idea actually yes. and they actually did this idea yeah which, but they and they had it separately we didn't know each other until we didn't know point. each other but it was in the ether it was in the ether like all great ideas they're yeah. in the ether so what they did was they took advantage of the fact that no move no studios were reporting their how much money they made right so they shot a movie socially distanced yep. over zoom yep and released it in a theater yep. that they paid for. So they did, they four-walled it, yep. which means that they bought all the seats in the theater. Mm-hmm. They rented the theater, bought all the seats in the theater, but then they got that money back yep. because when you four-wall it, you get the money from the ticket sales. Yep. So they ran that all day yep. and they were able to be the number one film in America yep. for a, a day or two. Yep. They didn't win the weekend, but they did win a day or two for a no budget movie. Yep. And this was a brilliant scam because it was, but, a sc- but scams can be good. Scams can be good. And this was a great scam. We had them on talking about it. They were great guys. And, uh, Christian Nilsson and Eric Tabak. Yep. If I'm butchering your names, I apologize. I'm sure I'm going to be kicking myself because people couldn't pronounce Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day. Exactly. And now it's a, now it's everybody knows how to say it. Right. So, that is definitely a winner. They scammed the box office, and they scammed box office mojo, and we love them for it. Yeah, and their movie was good. I watched it. You could now order it. They used the universal release strategy. Yes. In that uh, unsubscribe was in theaters exclusively for a short window, and then they followed up on the buzz from that theatrical release. They got the appearance on the B.O. Boys, got all that buzz. And then it was available on Vimeo, PVOD. Yeah. So it may still be available. Check it out. It's, yeah. it's you know, it's one of those things. It's a cultural uh, artifact yep. from a time that was Wild West when yes. it came to theaters. Yeah. The aliens someday when they excavate all of our skulls and go through all of our history, they will, you know, maybe it's a split second because I'm sure the aliens will just go through all of this in about three minutes. Mm-hmm. But there will be a split second where they import the data that unsubscribe was number one at the box office for one day in 2020. Yep. And the aliens will be like, huh, good for them. Good for Christian Nielsen and Eric Tabak. Now a loser, an indie loser. Yes. Phoenix, Oregon. Yes. Now talk about a scam. Is this it Phoenix, Oregon, Phoenix, Oregon is the name of the movie. I said Phoenix. Oregon. Okay. What did you think? I no, said? no, I thought you said Portland, but it is Phoenix. You're right. Continue. You were right the whole time. Thank you. Phoenix, Oregon, they used what was what did the, what was the scam? What was so the, the scam, the movie Phoenix, Oregon, the scam they used is 
Virtual they, box office. Is it was called virtual box office where you buy a ticket through a movie theater, but you're still watching the movie at home via streaming. But that money counted towards, and again, this was because Box Office Mojo didn't have their shit together. Yep. This counted towards a actual box office total. And therefore, according to Box Office Mojo, they spent several weeks as the number one movie in America. Yeah. Even though people, and they shouldn't have been at that time, they shouldn't have been seeing anything in the theater. But even though people were not seeing this movie at all in the theater, they were only seeing it at home, Phoenix, Oregon was dubbed the number one movie in America. Now, this is a scam, but I think the difference here is it's a scam that soiled the integrity of box office, of what box office is, and it was only done because of box office mojo's incompetence. Yes, and that's the thing. Again, difference between the unsubscribe scam, which was a good scam, yes, and the Phoenix, scam. Oregon scam, which was a dastardly scam, is that they actually showed it in a theater. Yes. And all the tickets were purchased at the theater. Yes. And unsubscribe did it in the safe way where only two people went. It was the two filmmakers who were at quarantine before. So there was a mix of real box office because it was seen in the theater and safety. Yes. Whereas Phoenix, Oregon... No actual box office. No actual box office. So you were the loser. Yep. And let's never speak its name again. Yep. Now, I hope the aliens do not even spend a millisecond on you when they intake all our data someday. Yes. Now, our last category, mouthpiece of the year. Yes. Finally. Mouthpiece of the year. Winner, mm -hmm. Timothy Chalamet's hoodie. Yes, the legendary hoodie. Spoke volumes without saying a word never has a hoodie been uh so loud on national television so just to get if if you don't know about this like where have you been yeah timothy chalamet hosted snl a couple weekends ago he is the star of dune mm -hmm. a movie that was going to go to hbo max day and date same with all the other H uh, uh, Warner Brothers releases. Mm -hmm. Legendary is the studio who made Dune and is putting out Dune. Right. And they're getting the short end of the stick on this. Yep. Timothy Chalamet came out for Good Nights, national television, wearing a hoodie emblazoned with the now iconic logo yep. for Legendary. Yep. Didn't say a word. Didn't say anything about it. Didn't point at it. Did not all point. All he said was not be kind to each other. Yep. Be kind to each other wearing the legendary hoodie. Yep. And that sent shockwaves through Hollywood. We had a emergency podcast. If you want to know everything about it, listen to that. Yeah. Listen to our emergency podcast. One of our one of our most popular episodes. Yes. So okay. the, the legendary hoodie raises all boats. Yeah. It continues to be legendary. Pat bought me a facsimile yep. of that for Christmas. It's yep. cherished. I... Do you ever see that YouTube video with the kid who gets the uh, N64 or whatever and he yes. screams, or the Super Nintendo and he yes. screams? That was me. Yep. With my legendary hoodie. So thank you for that. You made a Merry Christmas. That's hands down the winner. Yes. Honorable mention Timothy Chalamet himself mm -hmm. because that hoodie w couldn't stand for himself. Yes. Or itself. Yes. It needed somebody to wear it. Wear it. Yeah. And yeah. the legendary hoodie would not have been as powerful if 
SNL cast members had just walked out holding it. Exactly. You know, if you had uh, uh, Cecily Strong and uh, uh, and Alex Moffat, I was. You couldn't even. You I could even not think even of these think of two members yeah. of that show. If they had just walked out holding either arm of a legendary hoodie, as great as the legendary hoodie is, as much as it speaks volumes with saying nothing, the impact would not have been nearly the same without Timothy Chalamet's body being inside of that hoodie. Yes. That and hoodie his, was draped on the shoulders of giants. Yes. And that giant was Timothy Chalamet. Yes. So he is our honorable mention for mouthpiece of the year. Yes. And again, all he said was, be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. That's all he had to say. And as we're going to be covering over the next year, already it's looking like Dune may not go to HBO Max, may go theater only because legendary taken Warner Brothers to court. And the statement of the hoodie has sent shockwaves through America. I don't think you could find a jury of 12 people who would rule against legendary because of this hoodie, because of Timothy Chalamet. Absolutely. Loser of the year, mouthpiece. Yeah. Christopher Nolan. I I mean, how, how much more do we have to say about this guy? How much more can we beat this dead horse? He... He he came out um, saying that he didn't want people to be able to see his film in drive-ins in in places where theaters weren't open. He even was even though dri- drive-ins at the time were thriving, the, thriving. They were the safest way to see movies. They were becoming the most popular way to see movies. It was still September when it was more than nice enough out to go see movies in drive-ins. He spoke out against drive-ins. He spoke out against safety. Yes, he spoke out against the safety. Of moviegoers. Yes. Then now with the Warner Brothers thing, he is flapping his gums about artistic, how these uh, now their their movies are going to be on the worst streaming service and all that stuff, which he has some points, but he's the reason why theaters are where they are. Yep. If he didn't force feed Tenant and he didn't hijack Warner Brothers and say, this needs to come to the theaters, this needs to be in theaters. If he would have played ball, if he would have done a universal 17-day window, if he yeah. would have said that, if he would have said, hey, here's the thing, let's put this in theaters, but then let's let people see this 17 days after, yep. that movie, I think, would have done better at the box office. Definitely. Definitely. I think that the the there's never been a more clear divide of how to get things done than putting... Timothy Chalamet and his legendary hoodie saying only be kind to each other and the shockwaves that that created versus, ten, uh, I want to call him Tenant, but Christopher Nolan going out there screaming and crying and bitching and moaning to mm-hmm. every news outlet that would have him. Guess what? B.O. Boys was not one of those outlets. We would not have had Christopher Nolan on to spew his bile. And we will never have him on. No, we will never have him on. Even if we agree with some of his points, because he is just such a whiner and he doesn't get anything done. And yep. I think that is what we saw. He went out there, war, uh, HBO Max is the worst, Warner Brothers is mean to filmmakers. What did he accomplish with that? Nothing. No, nothing. nothing. And Timothy Chalamet and his legendary hoodie, they have accomplished more than any spokesperson in Hollywood has this year. And that's the thing. Christopher Nolan's gripes cannot fit on a sweatshirt. Yes. A hoodie, it couldn't fit on a hoodie. 
what would your hoodie be, Christopher Nolan? You don't know what it would be. Well, and I think this is such a clear, you know, not to be ageist, because, of course, look at some of our big winners, Will Smith, Jim Carrey, stars of the 90s. But this shows Christopher Nolan's inability to adapt because he went out there and he's of the op-ed in the Times generation where it is use as many words as you can to say as little as you can. And Timothy Chalamet, he's a meme generation guy. Mm-hmm. And he went out there and he's like, I got to get everything I need to say across in a picture and one pithy caption. And his picture was standing on that stage on national television. Cannot stress this enough. National television. Live. Live, live national television. Wearing the legendary hoodie. And his caption was, be kind to each other. And to the meme generation, that created a movement. And to the op-ed, say as much as you can, say as little as you can with as many words, that doesn't fly anymore. Wow. I, you know, there's nothing left to say. No. You nailed it. Nailed it. So, Pat, wow, what a episode. Yeah, this was huge. What a marathon. What a year. But what a year. And this is a historic year. And what I would say, because we're going to let you guys go, because we know you have things to do. Right. But what we will say is, if you want to relive an unprecedented year, a year like no other, go back on our feed. We were doing it live. Fuck it. We were raw feeding the box office and how it changed during this time and how it continues to change. It is a fascinating listen. Yeah. And I would say... Binge listen to these podcasts because you will be there along for the ride with us and what a ride it was. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are saying, you know, uh, death to this year, burn this year. Yes. Horrible year. Horrible things happen. But I think we need to learn from this year. And a big part of learning from this year is listening to all of the 2020 episodes of the BO Boys because you will... Learn what happened, and you will leave here with a guide post and a game plan on how to live your next year. Exactly. Yeah, and what to expect yeah. from the box office. Yeah. It's, it is. It's an historical document. Our podcast is a historical document. Yes. Can you say that about any other podcast? No. 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 No other podcast. I no mean, other podcast honestly, no other podcast document. is a historical document. They're all disposable. They're all of the moment. Some of them are fun in the moment. I love a lot of podcasts. I mean... Listen, we love Get Rich Nick. We love Deckheads. Are they historical documents? I don't know. I do know the Deckheads is. Deckheads is a historical. Well, those no, are the... and, and Get Rich Nick is because it's about the end of capitalism. That's true. Okay, so there are three historical document podcasts. Those are Get Rich Nick, Deckheads, and the B.O. Boys. Absolutely. Yeah. Binge all three. So I want you, want to be O boys, want to be old girls, want to be old people, to email us at the B.O. Boys podcast at gmail.com. First of all, let us know what you thought of our winners and losers of 2020. Let us know who your winners are, who your losers are. Yes. And after you have binged the entire year of podcasts, or if you've already been listening, let us know what you have learned from the B.O. Boys 2020 historical document. Email us at theboboyspodcast at gmail.com. Patreon. We don't have a Patreon. We won't have a Patreon probably into 2021 because there's no stimulus in sight. And and, and the stimulus that we are going to get, I think, is paltry and piss poor. So, I mean, okay. So, give Jake Fogan as Patreon. I mean, is there time? I don't think there's time for this. There's, I think we've got to make time. I know we've had a long show, but 
this is this is something that is worth everyone's time. I've been spending a lot of my time over at the Jake Fulgonest Patreon. It is a worthy place. If you've got the money, obviously, if you don't have the money, use it on food, use it on rent, whatever you need. But if you have the money or if that stimulus check is going to be just extra money for you, this is a place that is worth spending it or spending some of it. I have been spending a lot of my money there and I don't feel there's a, a penny that that could have been better spent. Jake Fulgonest Patreon is a place where there's just a lot of cool stuff happening there, a lot of really fun, interesting, safe content there. And we talk about historical documents and the B.O. Boys is a historical document, but is there more of a historical document than what you get on the premium tiers at the Jake Fulgonest Patreon? You're getting Squirt TV episodes, Squirt TV clips, and anecdotes about how those Squirt TV episodes and Squirt TV clips came to be. That is the ultimate historical document. I mean, we're talking about a show, Squirt TV, where Jake Fulgonest had some of the biggest stars of the 90s in his childhood bedroom. You know, we're talking members of the state. You know, that is that is as historical as it gets. And when you go to the Jake Fulgonest Patreon with me, with other like-minded individuals, we're talking about that history. We're talking about the episodes and the clips of Squirt TV. We're talking about other things that Jake Fulgonest likes, which is great. You know, I've been spending a lot of time talking about just the Squirt TV content, which is immense and really cool and really safe. But there is also him talking about bands from the era that he liked and maybe some new bands that he's getting into now. And it's really, really cool to hear that. And it's also just really safe because you're not going out into dangerous places. You're not going out into places where you may catch a disease or, you know, get punched in the head. You're, you're, you're in this Patreon with other like-minded people who are, is into safety as you are. And it's, it's just a place where I am happy to spend my time. And I think that everyone should come spend time there with me. I I'm, I'm can't wait to see you all there. All right. Um, no comment. Uh, but I think there's nothing left to say. Nothing left to say. Other than until next time, we'll smell you at the box office. Nailed it.